You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people who have gone before us, who lived well, who died well, who bring all that is good and true and beautiful down through the lines of people and their lives here on this beautiful earth. All the wisdom and the teaching that comes down through the lines into each one of our lives here. And I ask these ancestors, those who have been here before, to help us. To help us, the living, to do what we are called in this time, this time of great change to do. Let us be the people this new world is calling for us to be. And I ask these ancestors to stand with us, to whisper in our ears, no, don't go that way. I went there. It wasn't good. And I ask those ancestors to guide us true with those things that have been forever true for people here on the earth. And may they poke us and prod us and inspire us to innovate and to create, which is what the living are here to do. And I ask our ancestors to help us, help us to be the living, to take this moment in time and live it fully so that we can do what is needed for those who are coming. Let us be that link in that great cycle of life and help us ancestors, help us to do that well. Help us to be ancestors our descendants are proud to have had in their lineage. So with these ancestors gathering around us here today, I give great, great gratitude. There is so much help for us. And let us remember each day to open our hearts and reach out to that help and have it be with us in the day. This is about our relationships with the world, with each other, and with those beings who don't happen to have bodies at the moment. So we reach out to it all from our hearts. We begin now reaching from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and reach down and touch the earth. Whatever it is that you are doing in this particular moment, you are listening to this podcast. Stop for that moment and let your energy reach to the earth. Touch the earth, the planet, Pachamama, the great mother, and take a moment, just a moment in your day to give thanks. Great, great gratitude for life. No matter what your day has held for you, no matter how much of a struggle it may have been to give thanks for life, for all that has been on the path that has brought you to this moment, for all that is, 
and for all that will be. We give thanks to the earth for the great generosity in her dreaming that has created a life here in which we can change and transform, that we can learn from the past and innovate in the future, and that we can be here together with humans and non-human beings and find a good way to be part of life with a full heart. We give thanks to the earth for the miracle of life. And let us take a moment and simply be in awe and know that we have a responsibility not only to our life, but to life in its greatest sense. And we give great, great gratitude to the earth as we send our energy down all the way to the center of the earth. We make a choice to touch that mother right in the heart and to draw up into our lives the great rejuvenation and replenishment and restoration that comes up from the earth, the reminder for times of stillness and silence, the times to go within, and the times to honor the need for darkness. And we call up from the earth these great, great teachings of rejuvenation, of the constant cycling of life and the great beauty when we remember to go deeply within and restore. And we call these energies up into our life, into our day, into our body, into these proceedings. And as we draw this energy up, let us use it to choose to be grounded, to create a sense of hearth and home wherever we are, and to do so in a way that lights a candle to welcome the other, to let those we know nothing about come in and share our table. No matter what our offerings, no matter how humble they may be, may we begin to reach out and understand humans as one family. And we give thanks to the earth for all of the energy that is available for us to do this. We give thanks for this sense of belonging and a sense of lineage, a sense of connection to those who have been here before us. And we give thanks to the earth for the teachings of connection, of interconnection, and finally that ability to reach into that great oneness of life and to feel it, even if for just a moment, our place in that great web of life. And may we take from that oneness, right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, with our world, and right relationship with all living things, human and non-human. And let us draw this energy of the earth up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our mind and send our energy up through the sky. Whatever weather the sky holds for you, reach out through it giving thanks. Out through the sky, out through the atmosphere, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that power, name it, know it, and know yourself within it and it within you. And draw this energy down, down through all the layers of the sky, drawing into yourself, drawing into your day, drawing into these proceedings, the great, great abundant energy of blessing, the energy of protection, generosity and benevolence of our universe, all the wisdom of the universe and great devotion and commitment to life inspiration and illumination and the willingness to be present in what we are called to do and let that way be illuminated. As we call that sky energy down from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and send it all the way down to the center of the earth, let us remember ourselves as this place in which these two great legendary lovers, the earth and sky, come together literally in our own body 
and fill us with this energy of the big love that all life of form as we understand it is born out of. And we give thanks to these energies, letting them dance and be, be true within us. And we invite that big love to open and awaken the spirit of the heart. And we call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us here today and let the heart be that crucible of transformation that only it can be to draw up the deep, deep memory, the deep longing, the deep desire for who we have come here to be and to draw down from our head the clarity, the common sense, the inspiration for how are we going to do this in our time. We draw these energies together in the heart and let them dance there just like heaven and earth, dancing together, these great lovers, giving birth to this third and most essential thing, a sense, a feeling, wonder, memory, whatever it is, for why you are here. And may you find in that very same human heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts out into the world. So we give thanks for the spirits that have gathered around us, May what needs to be said be said. May what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So with great gratitude, I also give thanks to those living things called humans. And in particular, Jade, Lisa, Sarah, and another Lisa. For those are some of the people that have been willing and able since we last gathered to offer financially to help to keep the show on the air. And I am deeply grateful for your support and your assistance. Without you, we wouldn't be here. So if this show moves you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, even if it moves you to frustration and irritation, know that you have been moved. And if you are moved in the heart, take that great shamanic step, that true essence of shamanic action, which is to let the motivations of the heart motivate your actions in the world and do something to help the show to grow. If you are not able to donate financially, please feel free to ask questions, to bring these teachings into your journey circles, into your life in some way, and send me an email back to let me know how did it change things or not? Did things go well? Did they go awry? Bring life to what it is that we are doing in some way, and for that I am deeply grateful. If you'd like to make a donation, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. That is also the home of the archives for the last five years of shows. You can donate any amount, large or small. Um, It is all – we're grateful for all of it because it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So thank you, everyone, for your help, for your support, for your your great ideas for shows. and just know that we are, we are so blessed to be the ones who are living at this time, this time when we are the people to rewrite the story for the new world. And with that particularly juicy topic in mind, um, I want to give great, great gratitude. I'm very excited to welcome back Don Oscar Miro Quesada for joining us here today again. Um, almost exactly a year later, oddly enough, um, to share with us his new book called Lessons in Courage. Um, And this is Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. So, Oscar, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I bow to the thoroughness of your opening prayer, my good sister, Christina. Thank you all. Thank you all that are listening and thank the multiple seen and unseen dimensions that allow us to be together in sacred space. So um, it's good to be back, my good sister. 
So for those of you that don't know, about a year ago, under the guest section on Why Shamanism Now, you can scroll down for um, Miro Casada. You can find the show under his last name and listen. And we talked a great deal about um, his work in the world. Um, and today we want to focus a little bit more on the book and the time that we're living in and, and how we begin to take true action in the world. Um, with that said, though, I don't want to be remiss in um, honoring um, your co-author, basically, Bonnie Glass Coffin, because this is a co- co-authored book, um, and exactly. also let you... Yeah, and to let you all know that you can connect with the Heart of the Healer organization at heartofthehealer, one word, dot org. Um, And you can also connect with um, Oscar's work at MesaWorks, M-E-S-A-W-O-R-K-S, MesaWorks.com. So you can connect um, to the – well, they can probably just Google your name and find you anyway, but (laughs) – Correct, uh, correct. Yeah. And MetaWorks has been uh, uh, merged, morphed into the Heart of the Healer Alliance or Thought. Uh, it was separate until just this month. Uh, oh, wow. Given, uh, the, the, so right now I am fused, uh, at least for this <laughs> particular part of our, uh, of our yuga, of our Karipaitacha, into the Heart of the Healer Alliance, because really it's one and the same. The cross-cultural shamanic uh, service that I provide through MESA Works and what the Heart of the Healer Alliance is on this planet uh, is a pristine mirror of, of, of a shared purpose of awakening people to a more reverent earthwalk in service to our seven generations. So, uh, again, thanks for making this aware to your listening audience. And, um, yes, Bonnie Glass Coffin is uh, a true kiliki, which in Quechua, who has seen me the language of my highland ancestors, means angel. And um, many, many moons ago, I... uh, I knew that the time would come where I had to give written expression to my life story in the form of a narrative that also wove in core practices derived from the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of cross-cultural shamanism. And I had this vision, uh, more, it was more of a waking dream uh, of a, a woman that had an earnest, heartfelt passion for safeguarding the shamanic traditions of my own country of Peru. I had no idea who this woman would be, yet I knew that she would bring a a depth, a degree of legitimacy, both academically and in the more mainstream circles of, of earnest aspirants of the great work to disseminating the Pachacuti Mesa tradition in a manner that uh, would fulfill its destined purpose. So lo and behold, in our third international gathering held at Camp Minnewanka on the shores of Lake Michigan in 2005, uh, 
I invited Bonnie Glass Coffin, the world's most recognized authority on female healers of the northern coastal area of Peru, uh, to be one of the presenters together with Doug Sharon, various uh, very respected elders from tribal nations and and scholars of the shamanic uh, path. Uh, to break bread together, do ceremony together, and impart uh, their wisdoms to a broader audience. And prior to us meeting in person, we spoke on the phone, and I knew it was her. And I brought a quill with me, which was made from the tail feather of a condor. And it had a silver uh, you know, tip to it that I'd been holding and put and had on my altar at home for she's almost 15 years and at the end of the gathering I ceremonialized this presentation to her as scribe to get the Pachacuti Mesa tradition out in the world in, in good written form and that's the background and she was taken back I invited her to my home we spent uh, you know, a good amount of time doing medicine work together getting to know each other and opening up the doorways of collaboration. A few years passed, and lo and behold, we birthed Lessons in Courage, proving shamanic wisdom for everyday life. And uh, Bonnie, if you're listening to this interview, uh, uh, I love you, sister. Thanks for showing up. And we're very grateful. We're very grateful. So I also want to remind people we are live today. So if you'd like to call in with questions, you can call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. And also we are um, honored to be sponsored today as well by the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. And so we are very grateful for their ongoing support, particularly of these interview series. And if you'd like to find the SSP, you can find them at shamansociety.org. And so we're very grateful for the many, many angels that have come together so we could have this conversation today, um, which is beautiful. So, Oscar, so you met your angel, Mm -hmm. so you're poised and you're you're ready now. But what was it um, that that? Uh, gave you the push or the or the whatever the prod to to be willing to take what is essentially an oral tradition now, this is always such a challenging choice to go from what is an oral tradition and actually commit some portion of it to writing so so tell us about your your inspiration or your 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 choice in doing that certainly um well, for those of you that have read the book or plan on reading the book, you'll get a, a very clear sense of how uh, this, the blessings in the perfection of this present moment uh, allowed for a clarity to surface within my heart that I had fulfilled my oral bequeath to Dodoncelso Rojas Palomino, to bring the traditions of our northern coastal peoples to the developed nations of the north, specifically the United States and Europe, as a means of safeguarding uh, their practice in our own country, in Peru, as a means of restoring value by our own people to their relevance 
for the spiritualization uh, at a planetary level that was so needed and still is so needed uh, upon our, our human psyche or within our human psyche. And Don Senso was very adamant that unless our own people in Peru see people that they respect because of their advanced technological wherewithal, practicing the rituals that they themselves are scoffing at, ridiculing and considering superstitious, the only people that will be offering misadas, curandero healing sessions, are going to be those uh, focused only on commercial purposes and self-gain, that the true maestros and maestras were rapidly disappearing. And he asked me with my uh, command of the English language and my higher education in the United States, because he knew I was planning on coming to university to this country, to, uh, to make that happen uh, a few months before his passing. And, of course, I agreed, and uh, it's, it's illustrated in the book in a very beautiful fashion. Yet, to summarize, it took me about four years before I opened up my first ceremonial healing altar known as the Pachacuti Mesa in the United States within the psychology department at the West Georgia University at the time. And from then on, it began to refine its expression, both its cosmovision, its being a map of, the, of, of creation, and also the methodology of healing practice. And it integrates both the southeastern highland traditions of Peru, known as the Pacocuna, and the north coastal uh, traditions known as Camasca Curanderismo. The North Coastal is focused much more on the personal healing service, while the Southeastern Highland much more on the planetary healing service. So it involves many more rituals and, uh, and ceremonial feedings of, of, the, of our mother's uh, seque network or bioetheric body, and the northern coastal much more focused on restoring wholeness on an individual level. So I did all I could do to bring Don Celso's bequest into fruition, and over the many years I've been teaching these arts, uh, countless brothers and sisters in my apprenticeship circles uh, were begging me to put these down in writing. And I sanctioned uh, some very beautiful souls to go ahead and just write what they heard me say, but I'm not going to put anything down in pen myself. That is for another time. Until people started to value, in our own country of Peru, the importance of our pre-Columbian healing arts as a way to catalyze evolutionary sacred living upon the earth, as was prophesied by our ancient ones. And that has happened. The, the amount, the resurgence of South American shamanism within South America itself is unbridled. It's unstoppable right now. 
And I also completed a three-decade-old uh, uh, vision uh, activating the Adidam, which is a ceremonial ground in the southeastern Amazon rainforest of Peru, which also was pivotal in opening up the space for me to be able to collaborate with Bonnie and write this book. So, in short, Christina, uh, the time was right. I felt that I honored uh, my request to Don Celso and transmitted these teachings orally for the time that was required. And in asking permission, to his spirit essence, to put my story, my personal story, my narrative into writing and use my own experiences, my own challenges, my own struggle with the dark night of the soul as a stepping stone, as an impetus for people the world over to be able to identify that their own struggle, pain, darkness, suffering, is truly fodder, is truly fertile ground for a purposeful shamanic life, uh, I felt that was the next step in my service as a passerby on this planet. So I hope uh, I've answered your question. Yeah, I, and, and I think it, it, it sounds to me like part of it, part, you know, p- part of it has to do with you you growing, transforming, changing as you're doing your work and responding to the call that, you know, is your unique, not only your, your promise to your teachers, but your ongoing relationship with spirit and that constant exactly. information. You know, the other piece of it is the time that we're in. You know, suddenly, you know, here we are in the new world and how do, how do, how do we make sure that the new world is going to be... Um, birthed in a new story. Um, it's an important time for us to all be here alive together. So, what, yes. what, what, from your perspective, what is important about this time? This, this changing from an old world to a new world. What's important about this particular time? And then we'll come back to how, at least I see the book serves that, <laughs> but. Um, mm-hmm. Are there particular qualities in this time or possibilities in this time that you see that we need to, to, to be aware of or step up to or whatever, be in, be in relationship with? Well, uh, certainly, as are all uh, moments of great uh, convergence as well as divergence, uh, on on worlds that harbor sentient life. Um, Gaia, Pachamama, our Earth Mother, is no different from many worlds in our own Milky Way as well as beyond our galaxy uh, that reach points of, of turning, points of crossing over, points of evolutionary imperative. And in our own experience here on Earth, it is evident that because of the rampant complexity and accelerated um, merging of, of information into one whole field of human consciousness, 
that we are mimicking what the ancients knew as the akasha or as the the the, the etheric um, global mind, uh, the anima mundi, the world soul, and so there's no separation right now between what humanity is pulsing out as a collective into the universe and what the universe is seeking to inform us uh, that is our destiny, uh, our purpose as a two-legged species on the earth that is limited in its resources, on a pulsing, living, breathing organism that is an inextricable part of our own species' survival. And hence, there's, it's a critical moment in which if there's not a huge wake-up within a, ma- a critical mass, a number of people that is uh, sufficient in its, uh, in its influence within uh, transforming our current consumeristic position on uh, on life and finding meaning only through stuff rather than through being, that if there's not a, a, an awakening at a global scale, we, in fact, and it's no surprise, just look at what's happening with the ice caps and with the glaciers, uh, are going to have to live with the fact that we're the source, the, you know, the cause of a, a mass extinction. Uh, first time ever on our planetary history. So I feel that whether you position yourself on a very low uh, 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 rung of the great aesthetic continuum that is creation and see everything is totally relative and so if it happens, it happens, you know, we're... Many worlds are formed and destroyed, and everything is part of this extraordinary impermanence. And the, the Buddha's got it down. And at the same time, the Buddha was very clear that you know whether you have found liberation from your own suffering as a bodhisattva, it is upon you to help all creatures rise above their suffering. And that is what we call in shamanic uh, lifeway the, the walking with beauty or the blessing way. And I feel that there's a, a an opportunity right now, Christina, that um, with with the the breakdown of of society, and that has deepened our estrangement from the sacred dimensions of life that uh, the rawness, the crisis itself, the dismemberment that is so rampant in so many people uh, is a portal, is an opening, and is an opportunity that if a few people can plant a couple of seeds that are reminders that we are interconnected, that help us remember, come back into a planetary sense of tribal uh, belongingness, that we could shift things. That's not to say that overnight our problems will end, 
yet it does say that we can, if in alignment and in resonance with a shared visionary purpose of our evolutionary destiny as humankind in a balanced relationship with our earth, we cannot provide great healing and extraordinary opportunity to restore our experience of wholeness, both on an individual and planetary level. And that's what healing is about. Just recognizing that it's all about balance and that our birthright is to be whole. I don't know if this long-winded answer touches on what you asked, but I feel that uh, it's what came through, so I offer it to the world. Well, yes, and in and in in your in in the book, in the beginning of the book, you you share something similar about this forgetting and then this remembering, and and in that return to oneness, you just spoke to un, uh, our understanding that it is when we return to that wholeness, then we're also in a place, or we're finally again in a place to truly unleash a power. Um, in a sense that until we get there, we can't get at. And when we can, then we can really begin to change things. You know, because there's a great hopelessness, I, I sense, out there mm-hmm. in people. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it is that, that recognition that if we can just do what you're saying and trust enough and have enough faith to get to that place of, of remembering and reconnecting, that's when we access what we can't even imagine right now. At least most people can't imagine right now. You might be able to. <laughs> but, you know, this incredible power to change and to heal and transform. And what truly feels impossible today will be work, but it will be ordinary work of the day. It will not be impossible anymore. It's all about choice, my good sister. And uh, rightly said, uh, we have an extraordinary opportunity in the midst of the despair and hopelessness that is so rampant within our collective psyche as two-leggeds here um, to experience sacred community, to understand that we are bonded by the heart and that to be born, to live, and to die is a labor of love. It is all sourced from the experience of that yearning to be embraced, to be accepted, to feel enough, to feel loved, and hence the ability to extend that love to others in Aini, in sacred reciprocity, in balance. So yes, it may look really ugly out there, yet if you look through the ugliness, there are increasing examples in an accelerated manner of people really living from a place of an open heart that serves more than just themselves. And this field of heart-centered service to a sustainable life on this planet is increasing in power 
and potential for the great shift to be managed without such destructive influences or impacts upon our earth, ourselves, in our relationship with our unseen, more galactic and universal allies. So I'm very, Lessons in Courage is, is an offering, is a giveaway of, of this and uh, of this potential, of, of this possibility. And hopefully it will, those who do read it and find resonance with its message and may even choose to practice some of the tools and techniques offered in it will deepen their sense of reverence for the living earth and also be moved to um, form sacred communities, earth-honoring communities. And eventually, maybe not in our own lifetime, Christina, but surely in those of our uh, next generation, uh, things will begin to shift, I believe, uh, with great healing and, and love. And I want to echo that because I feel that this book, Lessons in Courage, does answer the question for people who are listening to what we're talking about and saying, you know, yes, but how? You know, how do I get from where I am uh, to where you're talking about? And and the beauty – well, there are many beautiful things about the book. But let me talk about the really practical beauty of the book, which is, one, it – it's a little book. It's not a great big monster book. It's a little book. It focuses on what do you need to do now. And so, and, and we're going to talk about, I'd like to actually talk about the different teachings, but they're broken down into areas and, and, that are important. And, and, and the challenge in that is named. And this is frankly what I hate about New Age books, is they, they put forward some spiritual truth. And then never cop to the fact that it's going to be challenging to do that. That's <laughs> really not fair right, at all. Right? right? <laughs> and so, so here's this beautiful truth, right? Here's the challenge named. And then your own story about how you wrestled with that challenge and, and the teachings that you have to offer about that. And then, ladies and gentlemen, and then the practices, right? And so this is it's, – it's such a beautiful, complete – package in 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 truly offering a human being living at this time on the planet the whole piece without pretending any of this is going to be any easier than it's going to be but also without making any of it any harder than it needs to be you know there's no indulgence in anything this is this is life this is the challenge um, this is how you meet it. These are the teachings that I was given about this. These are the teachings I've come to on my own with this. And here are practices you can begin. And so I strongly encourage people to buy this book, to read it, and to do it, and to see what happens. Um, because it really is um, presenting a bridge from where we are to where we are going. And, and a bridge that is both... Um, well, it's the, it's the piece nobody ever understands that I'm trying to talk about, which is that I find shamanic teachings profoundly practical. Now, of course, for you to feel that way, you've got to make that leap to um, understanding that your relationships with spirit are your birthright and that they're happening anyway, so you might as well pay attention and cultivate them. You know, but once you've made that leap in your life, 
then these teachings are really practical and you start looking around and just say, well, you know, how do I do this in a good way? And, and then here they are. This is, this is what our ancestors, the way they lived and what they've given us. And so this book is a bridge from where you are as a contemporary person, even if this is the first time you're listening to the show and you don't know anything about shamanism yet, you could still buy this book and build this bridge in your life. I mean, assuming you did it. <laughs> I mean, there's always that little piece. Um, anyway, so go buy the book, if you would, please. <laughs> that's, that's a very, very, uh, very sweet and, uh, and uplifting plug, sister. I appreciate it very, very much because, in fact, I do concur and, and resonate with everything you're saying. The purpose of this book, as you well know, being an author yourself, this is not, you know, to get rich. You know, you barely cover your overhead if you get if you sell enough books. Yet it is to share a an alternative and to uh, hopefully reach my own daughter and 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 her friends and and their children in a way that um, provides sustenance to. Uh, to something that they have not found in organized religion or in other forms or for more um, uh, demanding spiritual pursuit. That this is, that the first shamanic practitioner had no teacher, had no mentor. The first shamanic mentor was our breath, was our ability to sit quietly and still oneself and enter into a state of communion with that that exists not only within the natural world, but behind the forms, behind the three-dimensional experience of what it means to be human. And once you enter into that state of communion, this deep sense of reverence for the beauty, the majesty, the grace of the world and the miracle that it is to be here surfaces. At that point, one is naturally inclined to do a gest, offer a gesture of gratitude, and hence you consecrate the ground in which you're sitting in communion. When you feed the ground, simple little medicines such as cornmeal, tobacco, coca leaf, or some uh, Florida water, or whatever is your tradition, you are entering into a reciprocal relationship of deep respect and love with seen and unseen dimensions. And if you want to take it forward, you create an altar ground. You build a small temple in front of yourself. You build a stone cairn. You grow corn and potatoes. You give form to that experience of communion and consecration. And that is the composition of your life. And in that ground that you are orchestrating alive, then you, through your prayers and your songs and your offerings and incenses and aromatic perfumes, you connect with your animal helpers, with your spirit allies, with your ancestral lineages, with your medicine keepers from far and near. You call them, you connect. You connect with your current spiritual community that is alive and that you are part of in your region. And at that point, that connection, that relationship becomes planetary. At that point, the only thing that is left is to serve, hence 
to cooperate. And you take right action, born of compassionate spiritual wisdom, which unites. So those five C's of Pachakuti Misashamil are very simple and they're an innate human tendency to, to experience, to commune, consecrate, compose, connect, and cooperate. And they correspond to the five directions of the Pachakuti Misa. And if you noticed, Christina, the chapter uh, of the book, the five chapters, uh, are based on the acronym of Thoth, the thrice great Hermes Trismegistus. And it's also the acronym for the heart of the healer, which is the organization that uh, that I founded that is, uh, uh, creates sacred community on the planet that focuses precisely on disseminating these simple shamanic practices. And T-H-O-T-H, the chapters, mean exactly that. The first T is trusting soul. And as you well know, Christina, without a, an experience of an animated soul behind all things, shamanism is just another word. Shamanism is all about honoring the primacy of consciousness, you know, the, the a priori nature of soul behind all phenomena. So the first chapter, trusting soul, then the H, honoring spirit, then the O, opening heart, then the next T, transforming mind, and the final H, healing body. So each of those chapters focus on our relationship, deepening our relationship, engaging the powers and forces within soul, spirit, heart, mind, and body. And that, is, that was very carefully envisioned to provide the reader this initiation into the mysteries of, of, of this world wisdom tradition because the Pachaguti Mesa tradition, aside from having its roots in Peruvian shamanic practice, uh, incorporates the perennial wisdom of, of our world's cultures. So people from various other uh, sources of, uh, and paths will find a resonance, will find compatibility and sympathy with this and hopefully it will make it a, a, a universal human experience uh, that, yes, we are love, and our purpose is to teach love by the way we live, and two, that life is indeed a sacred gift, and as a sacred gift, it must be passed on in a manner that sustains the planet, the home, the world that is our womb, that is our mother. That done, we may then, in the future, in whatever form we choose to embrace at the moment of our crossing into other worlds, other bardos, other patches, the vehicle that will be the most joyous, infused with beauty, 
and illumined in transcendent living that is possible. And we would have completed our journey as passerbys on this good earth. So I hope that that medicine reaches the four directions, my good sister. So, Oscar, this next question is a little by, bit like asking a parent to pick their favorite child, so <laughs> which is terrible. But in, in this, trusting soul, honoring spirit, opening heart, transforming mind, healing body, do you have a favorite? Well, in, in, in my many moons of... of uh, of being a friendly uh, holographic projection to many of my students. <laughs> uh, uh, I have found that my nature is about the heart, you know. I'm good at, the, uh, I'm good at dealing with all these other things, yet, uh, you know, some people are, 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 are born lovers, and I was born a lover. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I feel that opening heart, uh, I, I, that's what I do well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go there. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's dive in there just to give people an example of how great your book is. Okay. So, so we have opening the heart, which is chapter three, and the the so this is about the art of composing life as sacred relationship. Okay. And you acknowledge the challenge in that is how do we embody love in the midst of our own woundedness. So this is what I was saying before, where, where the sacred truth is there and also the truth of our challenge as contemporary people of how do we do this. So, so do you want to talk a little bit about this, this particular piece, just to give people an idea of what they're, what, what's in this, little, this particular part of the book? Uh, well, what do you mean by that? Do you want me to read an excerpt from it or just to, uh, <laughs> to tell you a little bit about m- my own journey? Because as you could imagine, um, the, the experiences, those pivotal moments that were formative in my own shamanic awakening that are included in this book, stem from the moment of my birth to my current place as, as a shamanic uh, uh, practitioner uh, and teacher. And so um, there's many experiences that were left out for the purpose of, of, of brevity and, and also so that people could assimilate the totality of the message of the book in a better way and digest it. Um, yet there are many uh, um, quite uh, heinous uh, incidences in my life that served as rites of passage. And let me, that's where, as I'm speaking, that's where I'd like to go. Okay. So one of my experiences in terms of opening heart that is not in the book, and I'll share this with, with you, is that when I was four years old, I was sodomized by my half-brother. Uh, I, I'm the result of my mother's third marriage, my father's second. And um, for years, I had struggled with that experience, and, uh, you know, there was this ambivalence as to, you know, did I bring this on, or was it imposed upon me, or, 
you know, what should I do about it rearing up its ugly head uh, once in a while in terms of being a hindrance because, you know, I really, uh, you know, loved my brother. I admired him greatly. He was an extraordinary human being. So I come, the moment I, I took my bachelor's and finished my degree, my bachelor degree, it came upon me that I, and I hadn't seen my brother in, boy, what, almost 12 years, and my half-brother, and he was living in a very isolated area up in Vermont, making mandolins and violins, and uh, living off the land with his family. And I went up there and got a food because they were struggling, and I said, uh, I'm here, and I'm not going to speak his name, and I'd like to spend some time with you and your family and uh, and get to know each other more. And so the purpose of me going there was to tell my brother that uh, I loved him and that, uh, you know, all I need to do is to hear from him that um, he, having been grown up most of his life in an orphanage because my mother had to put his, her, his twin brother and his, her, his younger sister in an orphanage for many reasons, that I understand perfectly that he was just acting out m most likely behaviors that he had experienced himself and that this is an opportunity for us to heal not only for me to heal, but for him to heal from whatever demons and, 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 and darkness was in him that led him to, to do that. And so that's exactly what happened. And from that moment on, it was an extraordinary uh, realization that if one can... Uh, ref not, not reframe, how could I say, shamanically rise above the experience of dismemberment, whether it's a, a spiritual experience, uh, an encounter with a totem, with, a fed with an animal ally that tears you apart and then puts you together and infuses you, or with a two-legged human relative that dismembers you at a very vulnerable age, that there's always the medicine in it, that the heart is remaining open to the experience even of deep pain and suffering has the ability to release it to a power, a wisdom far greater than oneself, to great spirit, and allow great spirit to balance out the woundedness, the holes in the sacred body that bonds both people together or that experience is, uh, as a rite of passage so that it truly becomes uh, uh, liberation, empowerment, and, uh, and deep healing. At that point, uh, transformation is a cakewalk. Because it's only our mind, as you well know, Christina, that judges. The heart does not judge. The heart closes down to protect itself from the mind. As they say, the mind is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And 
yes, of course it is. That's why it's so important to make the return journey, not only the journey from the head to the heart, but from the heart back to the head, if you get my drift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what, I'm, that, that's what I'm sharing. And that is not in the book. I thought it would be just a, a compliment to what you were asking. But it is an example of embodying love in the midst of woundedness, yours and your brother's. But what's interesting, I love this story because the practice that goes with this, the first part of it, is sanctifying your space. And in a sense, it seems to me, you you began that process by bringing the food. By, by exactly. Nicely, nicely. Very cool. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you Please didn't continue. come empty-handed and demand a conversation. You know, you came bearing gifts. You came to sanctify their space and love. Correct. Yeah. So, so let's continue with that connection. So in the opening the heart chapter, we have this art of composing life as a sacred relationship. And then this challenge of how do I embody love in the midst of woundedness? And then this moves to the practices. One is sanctifying space. And the other is placing and empowering um, your pieces on your mesa. So how do these practices then fit, fit in with this opening the heart? Wonderful. As you well know, using this little story, I just this personal episode I just told you as an example, uh, I first entered into a state of communion with the experience which led me to give thanks for it and realize it was a potential rite of passage, something that would both help the generational healing of my brother's experience and my own so that we wouldn't pass it on to our future generations. And hence, I gave thanks for commute for that experience and went there to compose to create a composition, a symphony, out of the cacophony, out of the dissonance, I sought to restore resonance. And so I showed up with food. I helped around the house. Basically, I offered my service to create beauty where beauty was needed. And that's exactly what, uh, what configuring one's space is uh, as a Pachacuti Mesa carrier. You find... Uh, elements, pieces, stones, feathers, shells, candles, uh, most venerated ancestral medicine piece that uh, embody the various powers and forces of the directions that are common in most medicine ways on this planet. You lay down after you've consecrated the space and offered thanks for the opening to the shamanic awareness that is infusing your composition. You place them down on a fabric, on a cloth, a manta, an impunya, in a particular order that from south all the way to the center touches on those five uh, bodies, the physical or earth body, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, and the soul body, in the form of a nautilus shell, in the form of a, uh, you know, a spiral, the golden spiral. And so you have already the earth, which is round, which you've consecrated. Then you place a square cloth on top of that, 
you're squaring that circle, that sphere, or making that sphere into a cube, if you can imagine that, and then you're placing the five pieces that correspond to the five directions or intercardinal directions plus the center, which brings a mirroring of everything that is in cycles, pulses, tonalities, and rhythms, and and movement in the in the known universe, really. So you have sphere or circle, square with the with the cloth uh, or cube, and then you have within it the division of that into the dodecahedron, which is a platonic solid. So well, I'm getting a little, uh, you know, going into a little sacred geometry here, but I just want to to, to emphasize that. Be underneath the simple layout of a medicine ground that involves these five pieces on a cloth on the ground, you are really not even needing to know the esoteric or the inner workings that's going on. You are creating an alchemical uh, uh, laboratory, an alchemical uh, uh, workspace in which you can start to transmute and transform those things that have a lower density in terms of vibrational frequency and transmute them alchemically into much higher, much more refined, elevated frequency of experience. Hence, the pain and suffering that is constrictive when you lay out with beauty a medicine ground, such as is explicated in the book, all of a sudden, you start to feel light, lightness and and an expansive breathing and a heart opening up, and you start to relate just by these simple actions, by these simple ritual gestures of composing your Pachakuti Mesa or whatever altar space you are led to do, you realize that you have it within your own hands, the power to make music. Thank you, Dr. Thank you. So this is exactly what I hoped that we could do today, which is just to open up a little, little blossoming of the book for people so that they could come to understand in, in, its, in its brevity, in its small size, it is huge. It is huge in what one can find. We just talked about one small part, and the final challenge in the book is simply the challenge of courage itself. And so I really encourage people to buy the book. Let it be your, your journey with your journey circle through the book next year. Do it with your children. I mean, this, this bridge must be built, and this is one of the many ways that we can build it, but it's one that we can, can uh, connect with now because you – uh, Don Oscar have given us this great gift. You and Bonnie. And I, and I give great thanks to both of you. Thank you so, so, so much, Christina. It's an honor to, to be uh, again in sacred dialogue with you. I, I hope this will serve the incredible work you're doing in the world in a way that, uh, that is deserving of your sacrifice and, and your earth walk. You're doing extraordinary work and as you mentioned, uh, to, uh, thanking Jade, Lisa, Sarah, and another Lisa for their donation. 
the type of service that our sister Christina is doing in the world is the type of of service you want to support in whatever way you can. Let's make it happen. Love you all. <laughs> Thank you. So everyone, the book again is Lessons in Courage. Do not hesitate to go out and buy it. So we give thanks to our ancestors, those who carried the wisdom for us, those first shamans who asked, how do we do this? And to all of those who came in between, and we give gratitude to those ancestors, to the most essential ancestor, the earth below, to the sky above, and to the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.